listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A king follows. Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hey, welcome to another episode of Pod Slammer Jammer presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. My name is Andy Anes. I'm one of your hosts for today's episode. You can find me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. And be sure to check out the official Apollo account here with my second host, Dayon Dunlap. How you doing, Dayon? What's good, man? I'm Dayon Dunlap. Be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account. That's Apollo H-O-U. And as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll greatly appreciate it. I'm doing good, though, Andy, man. Be, I can't complain. A lot of UH to talk about. I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, for sure. Breathe. Uh, kind of changed a little bit of the formats. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. We'll go back to focusing specific uh, you know, games uh, ahead of time. So kind of flip the script, especially on such a – during in-game week for the football team. But we're going to do a little bit of format. We'll talk football, of course, after Houston dominated Tulsa on Friday night in Oklahoma. And really, that that was sloppy. I think Houston was up 28-0 after the first 25 minutes of that game. Honestly, probably the best performance that Houston has had under Dana Holgerson, a complete game. That's, That's a big message that he said after the game. Talk a little bit about that, but... Since it's October, it's also officially the start of basketball season. Both the men's and women's basketball teams tipped off or had their first official practice this week. The women's had it on Wednesday, September 29th. Wednesday, September 29th was their official practice, and the men's had it on Friday, October 1st. So we got a lot of hoops to discuss, but of course, we're going to start with the team that is currently playing and during in the middle of their season. Like I mentioned, Houston completely shellacked Tulsa, winning 45-10. to 10. And really, I mean, that game was over by the time the second yep. quarter had started. I mean, they were yep. up. They built a quick cushion and were up 21-0 yep. um, early in the second. And then at halftime, they 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 really controlled. They, they were up 23 at halftime. And then by all intents and purposes, uh, the defense was dominant. The offense was good for – most of the stretch there there was one turnover that they had but yeah, uh, yeah outside of outside of that you know as clean of a performance certainly they've had this season and like I mentioned honestly this might be the best game uh that they've had under Dana Holgerson maybe if you go back to last year that game against USF was a pretty complete game as well but certainly one of the better performances they've had while he's been the head coach for sure against a good Tulsa team who who played Ohio State tough who and so they're, they're a good football team. And so I was very impressed. This is the longest win streak under Dana Hogerson as well, this four-game win streak. And you're pretty much taking care of business of the teams that you were supposedly beat. But this one was in dramatic fashion, and it, this is what I'm accustomed to seeing. But it's a really big game coming up next week, and it's going to be on Thursday night 
but against Tulane, against a team who we talked about earlier, and it's going to be a tough matchup. But against Tulsa, man, I was very impressed. The defense played well. I think they're really making their mark and their name to be one of the best defenses in the country. The defensive line got after it. They caused three. They caught three interceptions, so they continue to cause turnovers. They're just playing really well. Yeah, for sure. And like you mentioned, those three turnovers they met to thirteen points for Houston, and really a complete dominant performance. I mean, and they had a couple of those turnovers called back too. I know Marcus Jones early had a pick six that had called back, and speaking of Marcus Jones, he almost returned yeah, almost another punt. Yeah, 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 that would have yeah. been three straight, three straight weeks of punt return touchdowns had he been able to to escape yeah. Tulsa's pressure he got close he got to the 18 yard line but and, and watching it on TV man it's like he made just one cut going the wrong way and he had blockers and he, he could have just made that one quick cut and he kind of allowed uh, I think it was the kicker because he only had one man to beat get him but man Marcus Jones is a baller man he went back to playing cornerback he played well he had a um a really good game to pass the deflections. Like you said, had that pick six. And I'm very impressed with Jones. I think he can play on Sundays, man, for sure. Yeah. And speaking of another player that, not to get too ahead of ourselves, he's still just a freshman. But the impact that he's made as a freshman, of course, I'm talking about running back Alton McCaskill, who continued to have a strong show. And he scored three touchdowns in that win against Tulsa, had – 77 total yards on the ground and really I mean we I feel like this is starting to sound a little bit like a broken record because we keep coming back to him each week but this was a strong showing not only for him but just the continued praise I think Dana Horvison along the lines he calls him a grown man as a freshman because I mean the yardage that he gets he, he loves to score once it's go to go and short for Houston there's no doubt who they're going to be going with in that situation, they're just going to hand off the ball, which is a lot. Like we mentioned, uh, Clayton Toon struggles early in the season. That's like the biggest best friend a quarterback can have when you have a running back and to just get those yards. And even if it's, like I said, a go-to-go situation where it might be once you're inside the five-yard line, those are the toughest yards to get. But it seems like ultimate Gaskell, that's where he thrives. For sure. And Dana Hogerson definitely – um, proved that he was willing to run the football. Tulsa was playing a lot of too high safety and not um, having any man really stacked in the box on the head, like six men in a box. And so Alton, he, he definitely looks different. I mean, only a freshman, similar to like an Adrian Peterson as far as like his running style, how tall he is. And I think he's going to continue just to put more weight on and get more physically stronger. But he's definitely gifted. He's different. You can definitely tell the handoff of the keys for him. He's RB1. He's the starter running back. But I really like the one-two punch between him and Tejon Henry. Tejon Henry only had two carries, and I'm not sure exactly why. But I think those two players, I like the one-two punch from those two out there. A good Tejan is more of a, a, a scat back, uh, can make you miss, more electric, more explosive. But Alton Moore is the complete package, can do everything. And mm. so I, I, I like the balance from the offense. And Clayton, he only had one interception. Other than that, he, he was efficient. He, he spread the ball around. Tank played good, had six catches. 
Jeremy finally he got in the end zone. He got a catch, and and so I liked it that it, it was a it was a well balanced offense. That's what I I like to see from Houston, especially that's what I expect from Dana, Dana Hogerson offense. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned going back to Alton McCaskill, how he's the whole package. Uh, yeah. He also he also he was second on the team in in catches. In that game against Tulsa, he only had three, but that was good for a second on the team. He only had eight yards, but just to show that the versatility that, like you mentioned, he's a complete back. But, I mean, Houston, this was probably their best. This is the formula for them to win. If they could win this way each week, obviously they'd take it. I'm not talking about the scoreboard, of course, and they could blow teams out like that. But I'm talking about just in terms of they only had to throw the ball 29 times and they rushed it 33. That's That's the perfect balance right there. And going back to the rushing yards, they, they rushed a total of 33 times. 17 of those carries went to Alton McCaskill, but they kind of spread it around as well. And you mentioned that Tejon Henry only had two, but Chandler Smith had, had five. Mobile Carr, who they're trying to get back into a rhythm. He's been dealing with injuries since the beginning of the season. And that, honestly, that's kind of been a, a issue for him since uh, the last couple of seasons. So they're trying to get him back into rhythm and bring him in just so they can have I know what Dana Hogerson said following the Navy game, especially over the course of a long season, you need to have as many running backs as possible just because of the punishment they take throughout the course of the season. So kind of looking at that distribution, is certainly good for the Cougars. And speaking of Dana Hogerson, like you mentioned, this is what you'd expect from Houston. This is what what fans expected whenever Dana Hogerson came to Houston and this is what um, this is what we should have did to Texas Tech. This is why I, I, I wouldn't have been really impressed. It's like I've been saying it wouldn't have been a big win if we would have did Texas Tech the same way. That's what I expected because Tech isn't as good of a program, football program, in my eyes than we are. And so I feel like we should be undefeated, honestly, at this point. And that, that's the frustrating part that a lot of Houston fans uh, bring up just in terms of the Cougars were up 21-7 against Texas Tech. And if they would have just had – just the minute, even if they would have just been able to get to the field and score field goals, they probably have enough because the way that defense is playing for much of it until in the latter end of the fourth quarter, they were holding Texas Tech. They were keeping out in the game and it just fell apart in that fourth quarter. But with the win um, that against um, Tulsa last night, Houston improves to 4-1 overall. And that includes 2-0 against the American Athletic Conference. And like we mentioned before, they're Tough turnaround. This is the tough three-game stretch. They're going to play Tulane Thursday night in New Orleans, and it'll be the third game in 12 days when they take the field against Tulane. So that'll be certainly tough. But the good thing, they were able to take care of business against Tulsa, unlike that Navy game. So a lot of the key players, you were they were able to get a lot more rest and, and not as much wear and tear as if it had been a close game like that Navy game. That was really physical, and, and they had to battle it out through the end. So much different outcome there. Go ahead, Dan, what were you going to say? No, I'm just going to continue on to your point about Houston's defense and give some credit to that defensive line because they're continuing to dominate in the trenches. That's where I feel like Houston won that game, was in the trenches, starting with the defensive line and the offensive line played well, moving the ball, I mean, moving um, the line with, with the run game and protecting Clayton, allowing him to be efficient passer. But the D-line, man, that was very impressive. Um, getting to the they're, – they're able to get to the quarterback without having to blitz. And then that allows their, their good secondary in their corners to get back there and make plays and know 
to then be able to sit on routes and be a little bit more aggressive to make those plays. And so, man, I, this Houston defense and what Coach Doug Belk is doing, I'm, I'm very impressed. I, I definitely think it's trending in the right direction. And looking at the schedule, I, I mean, I don't, I think this two-lane game is going to be one of the toughest games left on the schedule, along with SMU. Um, with they're doing really good with their quarterback down there, Sam Medikai. If I remember his Thank name correct, Mordecai. Mordecai, but yeah, he he's nice out of Oklahoma. He transferred from Oklahoma. I, I saw a couple of their games. They beat TCU, and so that that that's going to be a tough game as well. But other than that, Memphis is is all is good. It, I can wait to see. I think it's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. I can't wait. Yeah, for sure. What I was going to bring up earlier was regarding what Dana Hogerson said after the game. This is a direct quote he told reporters, and I quote, just complete domination. They were anointed the best offense in the country. Uh, he's speaking on Tulsa. At least that's what I read on Twitter and media and all that stuff. Our defense read that stuff, too, and it motivated them to go out there and play. It was fantastic. End quote. I want to re read another one before I toss it over to you, Dayon. Also from Dana Hogerson, and I quote, I'm not being a smart aleck when I say this. I've been taking a lot of criticism for not being able to put together a complete game. How many teams in the country can do that? It's just hard to do. It was a complete game, referring to that game against Tulsa, end quote. So, uh, Dan Horrison feeling himself after that win. And, of course, riding the high of being able to just dominate a team like that. Uh, he gets the the, the weekend to, to flex his muscles. But, see, now, now what – but they've shown, and, and honestly, this is something that Houston has been able to do under Data Horwitz, and to his credit, they've been able to beat the teams, the bad teams, the teams that they're supposed to beat, the teams that they're clearly better at. The criticism of Dana Horwitz has been with, you know, teams at their level, like you mentioned, at Texas Tech, or teams better than them. So this next stretch against Tulane, who we sh – the way they opened the season up in Oklahoma, but they yeah, were able to do against – Against them, that that's a strong showing. Of course, last year, I mean, the, the way that Tulane team came into TDCU Stadium and they were they were able to build the twenty four nothing cushion, and of course, just the head coach Willie Fritz always going to have this team prepared and ready to go. And like I said, a road game, third game, twelve days. That's going to be the biggest challenge for Houston, and they can go out there. I'm, I'm not going to expect another performance like they had against uh, Tulsa, but and they can go in there, pull out a strong win, then they'll be able to get. Uh, start turning heads and start getting critics because after that they they get their bye week then they get to play ECU which that for all intents and permanent purposes should be a, a, a honestly another lopsided game like the, the game against Tulsa was and then they get their big challenge the day before Halloween October 30th I guess against SMU again at TDCU Stadium that's going to be the big one because honestly that might be the game if if all goes well and Houston can beat Tulane and ECU. That might be the game to determine who's playing Cincinnati in the American Athletic Conference Championship. And then, of course, the, the final conference game to end the season, November 19th versus Memphis. Those will be the two toughest games after that Tulane game. So not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that game against Tulane is going to be huge just in terms of if they can carry that momentum. And I think that'll be something where you can finally tangibly see progress because no offense to Dana Hungerson. That was a complete game, not to take anything away. That was a dominant game. Kudos to that. But the criticism has been being able to keep that momentum 
and do it against teams that are at your level or above because like we mentioned, I mean, when you think about it, what there hasn't really been a signature win under Dana Hogerson. Uh, right. You know, and, you know, they're not always getting shellacked by these uh, teams, but they, they, they compete with them and then they kind of let go of the rope. At least that's been the case um, since 2019, whenever they had to play the SMUs and the Memphises and even Navy in 2019, when they were ranked, um, they were able to compete with them. It's just, fell apart and I mean uh, looking even back dating back to 2019 all the ranked opponents they had they started the season in Oklahoma mm-hmm. some of the Washington games. State game that they were competed really well really should have won that game and gave it up and late go the road exactly Oklahoma exactly. too started kind of slow but they were in that game too like you just mentioned but you're right I agree with everything you're saying I second that yeah all all these ranked opponents that they played well, being here, even going back to last season when they played BYU, and again, they competed with them. Honestly, they, they were up double digits on them uh, before they headed into halftime. And then similar, they let go of the rope. And then when they played Cincinnati last year, uh, got, that one was completely lopsided. But still, that's what they expect. That's where you get to see the true progress. And that's a, they should be feeling good about themselves after that dominant win. But this stretch right here is where people are really going to get to see if they've made the improvement that Dan Holgerson has been criticized for. Now, one player, the one player that you did one player, one coach that you did mention day on was Doug Belk, who honestly, he got his praises last night on the ESPN broadcast. They started mentioning, you know, just how strong his defensive unit, just the turnaround. Once again, they had three turnovers, Last night, but honestly, they had, if you count turnovers on downs, they had five because they forced Tulsa to, they stopped Tulsa on fourth down early in the first quarter. That that was a big momentum play. And then once again, in the third, they were able to get another turnover on down. So they were able to stop them five times and they only gave up a touchdown and a field goal off of the entire game. That's always a stretch. That's always a good accomplishment whenever a team can do that and just show the dominance and, We've mentioned it before how some of the players, and Donovan Mutant being one of them, how vocal he's been in support of his defensive coordinator. And that just goes to show what a great job he's done, but also how he's in it, able to be a true leader and kind of get the entire unit to to rally around him and his belief and that culture that they, they're beginning to establish on the defense. You said it right. And he was getting a lot of praise on the – um, the broadcast last night with Andre Weir, he, he talked about how his time in Alabama, and he talked about how he brought this Houston team, particularly the defense, to where they are now and the growth. And he said he went as far as saying that um, people are expecting Doug Belk to eventually be a head coach, and I definitely yeah. can see that because the way he's able to get young men to buy into them, able to invest into them, not only as a coach, but as a human as well. That's, that's a different kind of different kind of man and a different kind of coach that can be able to do that. And so along with the X's and O's, he knows football as well. And what he's been able to do has been very impressive. I think since the first game, I, I saw a difference 
starting with the D-line. D-line looks different. Logan Hall had a sack last night to where he did a bull rush and just bulled right over the offensive lineman and got right to the quarterback. And that's the type of plays that you see. Then you think about the players who were drafted in NFL in the last couple of years on the D-line. And so it's building a tradition here. As far as defensively, you look at some of the defensive backs who's been drafted as well. And so linebackers, on, really on all three levels. And so going into the Big 12, I, I think the defense is headed in the right direction because you're going to see more high-powered offense. But this year, it's a, it's a tough stretch. Like we continue to talk about, I think this Tulane team can definitely put up points. Um, I really like their quarterback you mentioned their coach Fritz. He's he's gonna have them well prepared. It's gonna be a very good game on a Thursday night, another primetime game. But more importantly, like in the games to where Houston don't play well is when they don't really have good quarterback play as far as with Clayton Toon. And so he was efficient. They they didn't have to make him throw like you talked about just too much. He only threw the ball, I believe it was it 24 times. Yeah, and, correct. 17 or 24, that's efficient. Two touchdowns, one interception. So you can have balance, run the ball, get some of those quick plays and allow Nathaniel Dell and Jeremy Singles, some of those playmakers to make plays. Then your defense gives you a short field. That way the offense doesn't have to always drive the length of the field. So it all goes hand in hand. And I think that's why Coach Hogerson is kind of feeling himself. He, he He's like everyone else. Here's some of the things on Twitter about um, – is he on a hot seat and stuff like that? And so um, I, I, I like it. Celebrate the small victories. Continue the success. But you got just got to keep doing it. You can't, can't fall short and get stagnant, which I don't think they will. I think they really have turned around there. Yeah, real quickly, you give a final rundown of stats. You mentioned Clayton Toon. He went 17 to 24 passing. He had 241 passing yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. And regarding the defense, like we've mentioned, those three turnovers, Alex Hogan, uh, Damarian Williams, and Javarian Owens were the three players that intercepted uh, Tulsa's quarterback. And also, four, they recorded four sacks. And you mentioned one of the players that, that had a big game, Logan Hall. He had one and a half, was able to share a sack with Latrell Bankston, but just a complete dominating performance by Houston. They had 53 total tackles in that game against Tulsa, but like we mentioned, quick turnaround Thursday night against Tulane. That'll be the next challenge. And that's going to do it for the first uh, segment. That's going to do it for our football segment. Um, coming right up, we'll transition over to a different sport. We'll talk a little bit about the men's basketball team who officially had their first practice on Friday, October 1st. We have a couple of clips queued up from Calvin Sampson, a couple of the players, and we'll just discuss what they've told us coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamal, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on here on Pod Slam and Jamal, Going to the hardwood now with it's officially basketball season. The UH man is starting to practice, and they had availability yesterday. We had a chance to speak with um, Coach Sampson, some of the players, one of those players being Marcus Sasser. 
And Marcus Sasser, well, starting with Cole Sampson. Cole Sampson talked about Marcus Sasser, him and Fabian kind of being the two leaders that they're going to um, have this year with them being there for the longest now. And he talked about Sasser as a point guard, kind of wanted, wanted to be his own player. And I, and the availability, when I got a chance to speak with Marcus, he's ta- he said he had always been playing off the ball. And off the ball and on the ball, but he said this year I've been working to how to be a point guard, but also score the ball and being aggressive while distributing the ball to other scores and pushing the pace. And so um, it was interesting. We have a clip with Coach Sampson. We'll get into that right now. Here he had to say. Yeah, but he, he will play point guard different ways. I, I don't want him to be like any point guard we've had. I want him to play – let him define the way he, he can play it. Um, you know, Mark, Marcus played a lot of point guard uh, last year in the NCAA tournament, the first game we played. Uh, Dejan got hurt on the uh, jump ball. Marcus played point guard for 39 minutes, so it's not like he's never played it before. Uh, played, when I recruited him out of high school, um, I watched him at AAU, he played point guard. So. But he plays it the way he plays it. You know, Marcus is a uh, uh, Marcus is a really good player. Shaman, uh, Tyler, Jamal, Tajay. Ramon Walker is going to be a good player. I mean, we are right. I don't think I've ever had a team in October that the sum was better than the parts. Usually in October, our parts are better than our sum. You know, we're, it's a process getting there. But, you know, we just got to take our parts and get them to fit. But, um, you know, today's, today kind of starts that. Talk to me a little bit. I was once again head coach for the University of Houston men's basketball team, Kelvin Sampson, talking about uh, just like you mentioned, on that goal of uh, Marcus Sasser wanting to play a lot more point guard, but then the interesting thing, Calvin Sampson, not uh, pigeonholing him into a specific type of mold. And this is something that, honestly, Calvin Sampson gets a lot of credit for being a lot more of a player coach where, you know, he allows his players to give input, especially players that have earned it. Now, he's not going to go into to giving freshmen and like that as much leeway, but it's something similar that we saw with Quentin Grimes, where, you know, his first season here, he struggled to, to adjust, but once he gets that trust, once he sees that they've been able to buy into the program, he allows his players to have that flexibility, that freedom to determine how they're going to play. And honestly, uh, that's something that you see from good programs right now. It definitely is something you see from good programs and good coaches. You you see they don't put their players in a box and try to force them to be in the system. You allow them, put them in the best position to use their strengths and allow them to get busy. And he's a, he allows his guards to get busy on the court. And so I like what I'm hearing um, from um, Coach Sampson. He he not he doesn't want to put any. Um, pressure or even thought into Marcus being like Galen or being like Dejan. He wanted want him to be the best Marcus Sasser that he can be because that's what's going to help this year's team. And him just being the guard using his natural instincts. Like you said, he's played point guard pretty much his entire life. He just has the ability to score. And he talked about three players that he watched. Those three players being Damian Lillard, Trey Young, and Fred Van Fleet. 
he said that's my top three. And all those players are kind of undersized point guards per se. They're not the six four point guards. They're like six foot, six two. Uh, and so, and he reminds me of those players. He can score, he can shoot, and he also can facilitate and he can shoot from range. So I think he just needs to work on being more consistent. He had the ball in his hands. He talked more about being a leader, learning from other players. And I, I think him, Marcus Sasser, Traymond Mark, the guard player is going to be good. But Fabian also talked about how impressive the front quarter is. He said this is the most athletic team that he has been on, including the front court. And so I, I'm excited to see him. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned that athleticism. That was something that both Marcus Lesser and Fabian White touched on whenever they had that Zoom with reporters in the morning. And, you know, the, the biggest thing they said, both of them, that they feel like that athleticism will be able to translate into being a much better defensive team from last season, which is saying a lot for the team. Obviously, of course, they made it to the final four, but time they were able to really lock down. And that was kind of their their – fallback because occasionally on times there'd be uh, moments when the UH team would go on kind of scoring slumps like I mean just going back to that Elite Eight game against Oregon State but that defense has always been something that they've been able to fall back on to hear that that athleticism they feel like this could be a much better defensive team that's that's saying a lot and I wouldn't say it's surprising because from year year that's what you expect from like honestly Houston is up there on top now with with those nationally relevant programs that are year in and year out, you just expect them to be good. Now, <clears throat> I was going to mention two of them that last season they had a drawback, but I guess you come to expect from the likes of Duke and Kentucky, those blueprint programs that yeah, historically year in and year out, they're always going to be competitive regardless of who they lose and who exits the program, but they started to build that coach. I mean, even a school like Virginia, who's on the schedule right. this year and 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 so that that's a perfect example. They've been a program no matter who they've lost. They've been con- really good in that ACC, been able to compete, going to the tournament, winning the tournament, and putting players in the NBA. And so I'm excited for the basketball schedule as well, which was released just a few days ago. And so I think the program, man, they're 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 in the right direction, of course. Um, like you said, with success comes expectation. They expect to win. People expect for them to win. And there's going to be really good as far as this guard group. I'm excited to see Edwards. He talked about Ramon Walker. He's a freshman father, played in the NFL. I saw him play a lot in high school. I called a couple of his playoff games. He's a natural scorer. He's a big guard who can defend. I, I think he's going to be one of the, the next um, two guard that kind of has the keys handed over to him in due time and being able to really fully put his game on display. But it's a lot of talent on this roster, and we got the best coach in the country with Coach Kelvin Sampson, in my opinion. And so they they could have to continue to work, continue to put it all together. And it's, it's, it's early. For sure, you mentioned the schedule. They officially released the conference portion of the schedule uh, on Thursday when that came out. Um, obviously, we, we've known the non-conference part for a while. The first game of the season for Houston will be on November 9th against Hofstra. They have an exhibition game against Montana Tech before that, but that November 9th game, officially the first game of the season, conference play for Houston will begin on December 28th against Cincinnati at Fertitta Center, and it'll end on March 6th 
at Memphis. Now, a couple of the highlights, the, the big games that stand out for me, uh, we won't go over the entire schedule, but January 8th, Saturday game, 11 in the morning, again at Fertitta Center, against Wichita State, who uh, they, they made the NCAA tournament last year, one of those last four teams in. They're going to play them. That's going to be on CBS. Obviously, the, the, the big kind of rivalry game that's kind of arisen between in men's basketball and the American Athletic Conference, Houston-Memphis, their first meeting will be on February 12th, Saturday. Now, this is the prime time slot, 2.30 p.m. on ABC, coming from Fertitta Center. And once again, to, like I mentioned that last game, to end the season, March 6th at Memphis, that game will also be on CBS. So yeah, those Houston-Memphis games, both on network TV, one on ABC, the other on CBS, that's big time down. That, that's really been the, the tr- real true rivalry, at least in the last couple of seasons, that has arisen in the American Athletic Conference when it, regarding men's basketball. It has been, and those are one of the two talented programs here in the American in Memphis um, with the with the plethora of recruits that they have. I think Penny, Coach Penny Hardaway, um, fellow um, new piece in my fraternity, so I always wish to sex with him. But now, nah, just just strictly on the court, they've been able to um, develop talent. That's what it's about, develop talent. They have a couple of players leave, but they always have a good recruiting class coming in. And so I really like what he's doing, but it's definitely formed to a rivalry. And I, I know they're excited to play Houston with Tremont marking that buzzer beater to end the season last season. So it's only right that they have Houston in that last slot and they'll have them at home this year. And so that's really like a, a NCAA type environment game right before you get into the conference tournament, right before you get into the NCAA tournament. So it's definitely formed to a rivalry. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of work out when Houston lose, leaves for the Big 12, work out some kind of home and home series like they did with, with Virginia, with Memphis to kind of continue their rivalry because Memphis is a great program. Coach Penny is doing a great job over there. For sure. And now kind of changing back to regarding specifics on availability. We mentioned Marcus Sasser before we kind of got into the schedule a little bit. But, you know, one of the other players that we haven't mentioned, we mentioned Fabian White, Marcus Sasser, going to be Tromon Mark, who a lot of people expect him to have a kind of a breakout year after he showed promise. Uh, he had a strong start to his freshman season and then when the team went on that COVID break, uh, it, you could really tell that that affected him. Of course, I'm referring to Tremont Mark, who will be entering his second season with the Cougars. I got a chance to speak with him and and kind of he's, what he told me is that he spent a lot of time with Marcus Sasser. They've, I, I, you'll hear it in the clip, but they spent a lot of time working extra trying to talk about goals for the upcoming season. This is UH guard Tremont Mark speaking about his relationship with Marcus Sasser and what they've spoken about throughout the offseason. Oh yeah, we work out, we work out together, we shoot together, we come in here late nights, get on the gun together. We just we always doing stuff off the court to make each other better. Just want to see each other succeed. What have those conversations been like? I'm, I'm not to get like too deeper into to specifics, but like I guess goals. Have y'all come up with any goals for Yeah, you know, of course we talk about, you know, getting back to where we got being better than last year's team. We just talk about stuff like that. So that's that's the things we got to talk about to push each other to, you know, just be better so we can complete those things. That was Houston guard, Tremont Mark. And, you know, right there, what he talked about, 
you know, they, they've discussed trying to get back to where they got last year, which would be a tough task getting to the Final Four. But like going back, but Fabian White and Marcus Sasser talked about, they feel like this team is more athletic. And honestly, I've, we'll, we'll play a clip from Chris Garner when we speak about the women's team later. But something he's kind of said brought up, um, Chris Garner of the Houston Rumble Review, something he's brought up is that he feels like this team overall, top to bottom, they're certainly going to be much more deep than last year's Final Four team was. And, of course, like we mentioned, they have the potential to be even better now that translates to another Final Four appearance. That'll be a tough task. But certainly it looks like this program, like going back to what I mentioned, not to um, yeah, the terms of Blue Book program, but they've, be, they've kind of become that year in and year out where, I mean, honestly, just wins, excellence is expected from the program. It is expected from a program, and I, I – can only repeat it with success it becomes expectation. You expect to win. And that's all like Coach Sanson talked about. That's all Fabian knows. Fabian in his first couple of years won over 60 games. And then he just reached a final four. And so that's all these players, even these young players, when they were being recruited by Houston, they know Houston from being NCAA tournament and succeeding. And so, I mean, that's where we're all accustomed to. And that's what we expect. I expect Trey Martin Mark, he's next. He's that next one, that next guard. I feel like the coach Simpson is going to hand him the keys and far let, allow him to get busy, like we said with Marcus Sasser earlier. Allow Traymond Mark to, to fully to show his offensive um, repertoire. I think he's a very complete offensive player. He can make plays for his teammates. He can shoot the three. He can get the mid-range, get to the hole. He's great at drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line, and he's a good free throw shooter. And so I think he's going to show that he's a three-level scorer and his entire – but he talked about rebounding, cultural things. That's what he talked about and doing those things as well. And so him and Marcus, I think it's going to be a nice one-two punch. I think this team is definitely going to be deeper. I agree with Chris. I think he's on to something there. And Fabian talked about Jerome Roberts. He's most likely going to be that second power forward coming off the bench. And he said when he came back from the Virgin Islands, Jerome just looked like a different player. His jump shot, he's now making threes making his mid-range consistently. And then he said now it's about getting his um, confidence up and keeping it up and allow him just to gain more confidence. And so I think that their depth is really going to be good. I think they're going to play with a faster pace. I think they're going to be a better scoring team. Last year, if Quinn wasn't going, a lot of times we struggle scoring. this. And so I think it's going to be a, a better defensive team, potentially athletically, but I think they're going to also play – uh, at a faster pace as well. And so it's going to be a, a good season. I expect nothing but a good season. For sure. And speaking of one of one of the other clips, one of the final clips we'll play is from Kyler Edwards, who transferred over from Texas Tech. I got a chance to speak with him uh, on Friday as well. And he he talked about how, you know, when, even when he decided to join Texas Tech, whenever he had committed that Calvin Sampson and Kellen kind of stayed in touch to keep up with him, see how, how he's doing and stuff like that. Obviously, they had had a relationship, Connor Edwards said, since they were since he was in ninth grade. And kind of building that that relationship is what really made he, in his words, he's called it an easy decision to go from Texas Tech to Houston. This is Kyler Edwards speaking on that. And also, um, first practice is always, you know, intense. Because you know you got to get everything in, you got to set the set the standards, set the tone. So I mean, it is overall pretty good. So I mean, I think we got better today. That was the main thing. Actually, you coming over from you know another program, 
what what drew you to Houston? And what what made you want to come here and you made that decision? Um, I always had a relationship with Coach Gillen, Coach Gillen and uh, Coach Samson, you know, uh, since like ninth grade of high school. So I mean, they always kept in touch with me, you know, even when I didn't come here or you know, even when I wasn't a part of the team, you know, they always check up on me, my family. So I mean, it was making it made it the easiest choice for me, pretty much, you know, just being just being always there. What have the off-season workouts been like when you first got here? Is there something? I know you'll be probably be saying this a lot later too, but the never the first thing a lot of players say here is like the culture, the culture, culture. Oh That's yeah, yeah, culture is very is very like you know it's put together. Yeah, you know is is this way or no way? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, so I mean though some workouts is pretty tough, like every summer workouts, you know. But I'm not like I said, I think we got better over this summer. We got in shape. Uh, and we did stuff we were supposed to do mm -hmm. on, on, on the Once again, that was the newest Houston guard, Kyler Edwards, speaking about what kind of that decision process was when he decided to choose uh, Houston after he decided he was going to transfer from Texas Tech. Dayon, what stood out to you from just hearing him talk that clip, whether it was just our relationship that the Samsons had kept with him or what he talked about, just the early work on what he's seen from the program? What stood out to me was his answer about culture. He said it's put together well. It's either that way or no way. And that starts with the head man, head coach Kelvin Sampson. He talked about that when answering the question about how good um, one of their strength and conditioning coaches, Alan Bishop, has been. And it kind of, in his answer, he said all the culture always starts with the head coach and him bringing that day to day and it trickles down all the way through his assistant coaching and through his players. And so to hear him say it's well put together, that just tells me that the coaching staff or the players that he can see they're all bought in to what um, hell, Coach Sampson preaches every single day. And so I'm sure he's going to fit right in. And I can't wait to see him play. I've seen him play a few times with Texas Tech. Defends really well. He can spread the floor and knock down a three. I think he. I think the Houston fans is going to fall in love with him quickly because he's going to be that player. Is going to do a lot of the dirty things. He's going to maybe guard the opponent's best player. He's dive on the floor for loose balls, and he can score the basketball. So I think he's going to be a fan favorite for sure. And just like uh, in that clip that we we had of Kevin Sampson, just. And going back to the overall depth, and that's not even talking considering Ramon Walker, who's the, the newest freshman, who for regarding the the Houston area is considered the best player after he won the Gotta Be Lewis Award um, his senior year. That That's actually the Houston at one point. Um, they've had a couple of those Gotta Be Lewis Award winners when it comes to Galen Robinson, uh, Quentin Grimes, they have Tremont Mark on the roster now, Ramon Walker. So just going back there, they're, they're going to be a deep team. And it'll, it'll just be fun, honestly, to see how they go from I – mean, they still have just over a month until that first game, uh, the exhibition game, and the start of the regular season. So they still got a lot to get going. But <clears throat> one thing I did want to mention, Calvin Sampson said that it's a new team. It's a different um, – it's a new team. It's a different type of – uh, personality, a different type of identity for the team. And that's something that it, it's hard to pick up on. It, it goes throughout the course of the season. So it'll be interesting to see what ki kind of uh, identity that these this team kind of embraces. It'll be interesting and they embrace much more of a uh, kind of lockdown defense mentality just based off what the players have said. 
because I found it interesting. I can't remember if it was Fabian White or Marcus Sasso who said, well, they're now they're going to be a good defensive team. It's just about to, they're curious to see what they're going to be able to do offensively. And I found that interesting because you don't usually hear that. Yeah, you don't. And so you got to naturally roll the ball out there and see how the team fits together. And that's what we're going to do with this, uh, this entire month that they have to prepare for the start of the season. And just going back to the depth, uh, players like Jamal Shedd coming in his second year, he's going to have a bigger role. We didn't mention him. I'm expecting a, a breakout year for him as well, showing his talents. He's, in my opinion, one under the mold of a Chris Paul type player. Uh, old school point guard to pass first and a lot like Galen as far as a, a floor general, but I think he's definitely um, at that point in the good when Galen career, he's um, he's a much better shooter and a better scorer than Galen was, but I think he has that playmaker ability and that floor generalship like Galen. And so um, it's definitely going to be good. Sure, we're, we're looking forward to this season. And like we mentioned, a cu- couple of those marquee games. I mean, just those Memphis, ga- those Memphis games always end up being uh, crazy, especially in just terms of the two last year, especially the ones that end the regular season where it ended with a Tremont Mark half or buzzer beater. So I can't, wait see, I can't wait to see the Virginia game. Uh, I think that's going to be a good game. For sure. um, Virginia coach really well and they have the transfer who came over Gardner from um East yeah. Carolina who pretty much averaged a double double and so he's going to give them balance and uh, that's the game I'm excited to see is early on in the season it's going to be on ESPN primetime game I can't that's going to be an early test and it's really kind of going to be a big stage and we, we can kind of get an early test to see which players are going to step up and what role they're going to play Coming right up on Pod Slam and Jam, we wrap things up with the UH women's basketball team who had their first practice of the regular season on September 29th. We have comments from Ron Huey and a new model that the team has adopted coming right up on Pod Slam and Jam, covering your UH athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on here on Pod Slamma Jamma, now we're going to talk about the women's basketball program and Coach Huey had availability as the women had their first practice here just last week. And he talks about the schedule and not softening up the schedule to start the season and attacking it head on. Let's hear what he had to say in his availability here. What are your thoughts on the non-conference schedule? I love it. You know, anytime we can have an opportunity to play Baylor, uh, Arizona State, Alabama, and Florida State, you know, I think anybody would – want to get look at themselves and say I want to test myself against some of the best in the conference say excuse me outside of the conference and that's what we're looking forward to uh, Chris you know as long as I've been here we've been playing people outside of the conference and we're going to continue to do that even when we get to the Big 12 I think it's always a way to get your kids prepared to let you know we're not going to do what some of these other schools do soften up the schedule and then when you get the conference try to figure it out we're going to always attack it head on and uh, let the chips fall where they may because again, at the end of the day, I think we put together the best staff up under the best administration to say we belong so we can be able to compete with anybody in the country. 
Once again, that was UH women's basketball head coach Ron Huey. And huge shout out to Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. You hit who posted this clip on Twitter. Uh, we'll have links to his Twitter account and his YouTube page in the description. Be sure to check that out. But Dayon, regarding Ron Huey and um, something you mentioned before in the past, just in terms of really Huey is one of those coaches that he'll he'll tell you what's on his mind. He's a lot less filtered and and being honestly a lot more wide open with what his thoughts are. I remember whenever we had him on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, over a month ago now, it's crazy. It was sometime in August, um, how fast time passes. But I remember him saying similar thing along those lines when it was before the the straight, um, it, before it was evident that Houston was going to be joining the Big 12. But he talked about how his program was always going to be ready. He kind of similar to what he said here, they're always going to be looking to schedule against the best opponents because they truly want to test themselves and they believe like they're going to be able to compete with those programs. And he said, you know, regardless of what conference they are, once they get to a power five back then, he said that one thing he was sure of is that his team was going to compete. And going off that quote, it goes along those lines where they're not going to just kind of play coy to, for lack of a better word, and kind of just wait for them to officially join the big 12. They're looking to get as much experience as possible. And like what he told us whenever he came on our show that really the going conference would be to go after those Florida schools against UCF and USF. Dayon, what were your takeaways from just that clip right there? I mean, it was just a classic coach, you and him being blunt and honest like he always is, like you mentioned. And he talked about attacking the schedule head on and not kind of watering down in the beginning. And earlier in the long, they're going to play a tough Stephen F. Austin team who they beat took him down to the wire last year. Then he mentioned Arizona State, and he mentioned Baylor first, who was a prominent women's basketball program, although they left their co- lost their coach. You got a, a now a coach who's coming down from the WNBA, but they still have the talent there. Alyssa Smith is going to be one of the best players in the country. And so to, to get to test yourselves early and get some of the programs that you know on who have been to where you are trying to go. Well, Baylor just made it, took a deep run in the NCAA tournament last year. And so not only is it about competing, it's about winning now. And they have a little bit of success last year, but their hashtag and their moniker that they're following this year is unfinished business. And I feel like they have unfinished business. Unfinished business. They have a lot of talent. I think Layla Blair is going to have a, a breakout year. Um, she had a really good freshman season. I've been seeing a lot of videos of her in the lab working on her game. I think she's going to have a big year. Jasmine Lewis is going to have um, a big year, I feel like, as well. But I think this team um, finally believes that they can win and they're hungry to prove it. They're hungry to play these teams that we're talking about. They're hungry to play these Florida schools, especially UCF and USF. Those Those two teams finish one and two ahead of Houston and the American last year and both made it to the NCAA tournament. So they split with USF, UCF beat them both times last year. So that's going to be um, two high key matchups to keep an eye on. I feel like Coach Huey and his program is, is training in the right direction. They're, they're, uh, I think they're ready to take that next step and make it to the tournament. So Coach Huey, his entire staff, or Coach Diller, um, Deneen Parkin, I, they're ready. I, th- I think this is the year that they finally break through. 
Yeah, you mentioned kind of the model that they've adopted an unfinished business. And Ron Huey told reporters during their Wednesday availability that that was something that and the players came up with. They came to him. They said that this is what they wanted to adopt for their mantra for the entire season. And like we mentioned, um, going about how last year ended, where they were so close. They were the first team out in the NCAA tournament, which it must have been painful for them to, to be so close. And hold out hope that as kind of harsh as it will seem that if there was a team that would have had COVID issues, Houston would have been put to replace them and had to go over to the NIT. And even though they lost first, uh, the first game in the NIT tournament, they were able to finish their season off with a win in the consolation bracket. And that, that was huge. That momentum. We asked, um, I don't, I don't remember who it was during our show. It was, um, one of the assistants, I think it might have been Ty Dillard who I asked if, if that, yeah, that makes a difference. Yep, yep, it was Ty That Dillard. makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Correct. If it makes a difference in terms of ending the season would win. And she said, absolutely, it does. It, it, it carries that momentum throughout the offseason, ending it on a good note and just kind of fueling your entire offseason workout. Now, obviously, um, looking at the smaller picture in conference, their big goal that Huey told us here is to, to go after. They already showed that they can beat USF last in the last regular season, uh, beating them here at Fertitta Center. But the big goal would be trying to dethrone UCF, who's really, that's been the team that gave them a lot of problems last year. That's the team that ended their American Athletic Conference tournament run and really um, ruined any chance for them being able to make that NCAA tournament after they had yeah, and just the way it ended, they had that strong win against USF, and then they had the letdown against Cincinnati the following uh, game to end the, the the home regular season portion of the schedule, and it made it tough on them and made them be the first team out. So they're certainly a lot more motivated to prove all those teams wrong and to, to step up. And like we mentioned, once they eventually join the Big 12, that's a conference. Like we may, I'm going to be curious to see how they match up against Baylor because that's going to be a team they're going to become very familiar with in the coming years, and it'll be good to see how they match up and really where they can grow from there because in the American, it's USF and UCF, and the Big 12 is going to be a lot more spread out, so it'll be interesting to see how they compete with those Power 5 schools. I think they definitely will compete, but it'll be a good test for them early. And they, they have some some returning players. They have a lot of upperclassmen. Diamond Gladney yeah. coming into her senior year. Juju, Julia Blackshaw, Baxter, Fair coming back for her grad senior year. And so you have upperclassmen dealing with transfers who have experience or Tierra Young coming over from LSU. I'm expecting Brittany Anya Jay. She shot a lot of threes. I think if she can shoot about 40%, I think she has the ability to make 100 threes like Quentin Grimes did for the men's. I think if she can knock down that three consistently and be more of a consistent shooter, she was a lot of up and down. The volume was very high because she has the capability. But if she can knock it down consistently, I think – it's only going to help this team be even more potent offensively. They marked that mark on the defensive end, getting out, causing turnovers, getting out in transition. And so I think, of course, without a doubt, they're going to continue to be one of the tough defensive teams. But offensively, just continue to mold Bria Patterson being that, that positionless player that can bring the ball up the court, rebound, knock down a three, and score inside. And so they're a well-balanced team as well. I can't wait 
for them to have this encore season. And like Coach Huey said, they came to him. And this is the first time as well that they elected captains for a while. They normally didn't do that. And the players, that was something that they wanted to do. Don McLadden and Layla Blair. This team has a lot of talent. It's about just continuing when you get the success and you get the notoriety, because after that big win against USF and they came in ranked, they beat them handily. They had that loss against Cincinnati that you mentioned. And something that we mentioned against for football, now that you're going to be leaving for the Big 12, all of these teams in the conference, in the American, you're going to get their best shot now because they want to prove that they are better than you. And so it's a lot of talent in the conference, not only with the Florida schools, but Houston definitely in the upper echelon turning in the right direction. What are you looking forward to see early on from the season starts from the women's program? Yeah. Um, real quick, let me give a rundown a bit of their schedule. That uh, the, uh, the conference portion was also released <clears throat> on Thursday, this past Thursday. But they're going to open the season against Howard on November 9th. They do have one exhibition game before that on November 5th against Texas A&M Commerce, but the official regular season opener will be November 9th against Howard at Fertitta Center. And looking at, uh, across the list against uh, some some of these non-conference opponents, they, they're going to play Stephen F. Austin again, which they were able to beat last season. But then you know, the Cancun Challenge is really where they're going to play a lot of these tough teams. They're going to start with Arizona Stake, who they saw in the NIT tournament last season. Of course, the big game that, that I said I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to is that game against Baylor, the final game in the Cancun Challenge. Uh, they also have to go travel at Alabama, so that's going to be another tough one. They, they lost to them last season, and then they begin their conference schedule on January 2nd against Tulane. They play UCF for the first time on February 9th at Fertitta Center, and they end the conference portion of the schedule on March 2nd against South Florida in Tampa. So uh, certainly going to be a, a bit of a tough stretch to end the season, but that's a challenge that they're looking forward to. <clears throat> Regarding uh, what I'm looking forward to for the team early on, I'm just two things. Uh, one, Julia Blackshaw-Ferry who's going to be coming off that ACL injury she suffered in January. So I'll be interested to see how, how she she looks early on in the season of she was able to put that injury behind her and really how comfortable she looks just being able to play in a full full speed game so quickly because by the time they tip off it'll have been uh, roughly eleven months since the the injury which you know the timetable for ACLs is usually nine months so she should be good on track but obviously of course whenever you suffer an injury sometimes there'll be a couple of mental hurdles or even mental hurdles or even then. Um, it, it'll just be interesting to see how she adapts quickly. And the second will be Layla Blair, who, you know, obviously what we were able to see last season was she's uh, quite frankly, the most, the best score on the team, the, the, she's able to, to shoot, get her shot and take whatever she wants. But, but the one thing she wanted to focus on was shot selection. Sometimes there would be times whenever she wouldn't necessarily take the best shot and also kind of the playmaking there. It'd also be times when she would have, an open teammate, and sometimes she would kind of get tunnel vision in terms of taking shots that she doesn't, she didn't necessarily need to because she, especially towards the end of the season, she started to get a lot more attention from opposing teams, and they started collapsing a lot of times on her, especially when she would drive. So it'll be interesting to see how she's grown as a playmaker in her and as herself as a player. 
I echo both of those players as well. Only player that I would add to that list is Jasmine Lewis. I want to see how she starts the season. I want to see how if she's gotten better as far as condition, being able to play more minutes and how her body looks as far as did she um, work hard over the summer? I'm assuming she did. I know Coach Huey talked about how she did. And so I think she she can add a different element to this team and give them a dominant inside presence. She has the size, she has the height, and she has the ability, she has the skill set. She has post moves, she has counter post moves, can finish over both shoulders. So I think if she starts the season strong, they really have a, a two-headed attack with Tatiana Hill, who's a prominent um, starter, has been a starter throughout her career as well. And, you know, she's one of those consistent players. You know what you're going to get from her as far as running the floor, defensive rebounds. She also can score on the block. And so I think Tati, I mean, Jasmine Lewis, uh, I'll be be looking forward to her start the season to see how she starts the season and watching her confidence throughout the season. Yeah, for sure. And that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd greatly appreciate it. And be sure to follow Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video podcasts, and more original Houston sports content now found anywhere else. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. That's D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. Also on Instagram as well. For sure. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Aon is underscore five. Make sure you follow the official pod slamma uh, jamma account on Twitter at like you see it in the title for this podcast, P-A-W-D. S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A on Twitter. That's at PodSlamajama. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of PodSlamajama covering your University of Houston Athletics. Always go cools.